I have an impossible task today, and because it's my impossible task and you're subject to my limitations and abilities, it's your impossible task too. So hang in there with me, we'll do the best we can. The impossibility is our text today is Psalm 107, includes 43 verses, and even if I covered one verse in a minute, we'd still be late getting out of here. So we've got to move quickly, and I'm not going to try to cover all 43 verses. But the real issue is Psalm 107 deals with the love of God. I've entitled today's message, Smile, God Loves You. And I want to do my best to help you understand that that's more than an outward facade, but that's a deep soul smile that causes uh, a smile on the outside maybe, but even if there's not a smile on the outside, there's still that peace and that confidence and that hope that comes from the love of God on the inside. I'm dependent upon you to take some of the information I give you today and go further into your own study of these 43 verses. Today, later this week, sometime make a note of it and just be sure you dig into Psalm 107. And I'm going to depend on the Holy Spirit to help me say what I need to say uh, in these moments that we do have to help you begin to grasp uh, the beauty of and the significance of this passage of Scripture. The Apostle Paul struggled with this a little bit himself when he prayed that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. Even the Apostle Paul said it's more than we can know. It's more than we can understand or comprehend, and surely it's more than we can put into words. So the Holy Spirit's going to have to be your teacher today. Be with my mouth, but be with your ears, be with your mind, be with your heart. And as I say, I hope you'll take these words today and use them for yourself uh, in further study and uh, growth uh, and benefit in the days to come. The Bible has been called God's love letter to the human race, and truly it is. All throughout the 66 books of the Bible, both the Old and the New Testament, is the word of God's love and also the demonstration of God's love and all the different events and the characters and the scenarios that are described and included there throughout uh, the books of the Bible. Bible translators, and today, as usual, I'm using the King James Version. You may have a different version that uh, you'll see some differences as we read some verses today. But the translators, whether it's the King James or whatever other version, struggle. How do you put down that word love as it re reflects God and speaks to God? Most of us know that the key word in the New Testament for God's love is agape. But the Greek language, uh, which includes that word agape, also has with it another word for marital love, another word for family love. Another word for uh, friendship love. At least four different uh, words in the Greek language to try to express love, but one word is reserved for the highest of all. Unconditional love. Undefinable love. Immeasurable love. And that's the word agape in the New Testament that describes God's love. And the passage that maybe focuses on it more, it's all throughout, obviously, the New Testament. But the passage that focuses on it more than any other is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We call it the love chapter. Well, the Old Testament is very similar other than it's not the Greek language, it's the Hebrew language. 
The chapter I find in the Old Testament is Psalm 107 that we're going to be looking at today, 43 verses that begin with God's love, that end with God's love, and that describe and magnify and explain and express and call attention to the love of God between the first and that last verse all throughout this psalm. So you might want to make a note of that. The New Testament love chapter is 1 Corinthians 13. The Old Testament love passage is Psalm 107. And as you do your own study, you can kind of compare the two and keep that in mind. That New Testament word is agape. The Old Testament word is C-H-E-S-E-D, or you make the C a silent uh, letter, so it's H-E-S-E-D, hesed. That's the Old Testament word. And just like the New Testament, the Old Testament has several words for love uh, uh, to be used uh, in the Hebrew language. And you'll find the word love several times in the Old Testament, but rarely do the translators translate hesed with L-O-V-E. When they use the word love in the Old Testament, it's again for one of those other forms and lower uh, levels and lower measurements of the kind of love that we express and we understand and we relate to. They reserve the word hesed to speak of the very love of God. There are numerous uh, synonyms. We'll see some of them in our uh, verses we're going to look at today, but let me just uh, mention to you how the Old Testament uh, translates the word hesed. It's used some 250 times in the Old Testament, but rarely is it translated with the word love, at least without a modifier, but it's quite often translated as steadfast love, unfailing love, loving deeds, covenant love, compassion, favor, enduring mercy, loving kindness, goodness, and many more. Why? Because the love of God, as the Apostle Paul said, has more height than we can grasp, more depth, more length, and more breadth. It's beyond us. And even the Apostle Paul said, I just pray that God will help us to grasp something that's impossible to fully understand, to fully grasp. But the same thing was uh, true. It's that he was speaking of the concept of agape in the New Testament, but it's that same concept, the same character and nature of God that's here for us uh, in the Old Testament. I want to share with you, if I could, just for a moment, two or three Old Testament passages other than Psalm 107 where this word hesed is used, and they're probably very familiar passages to you, familiar verses to you, and you'd say, well, I memorized that, I've claimed that, that means a great deal to me, but you didn't realize because the word L-O-V-E is not there and the Hebrew uh, letters are not there, H-E-S-E-D, it's some uh, uh, substitute word, a synonym, uh, and you didn't realize that's talking about the love of God. No wonder that verse is so precious. Here's some of those. One of them, a, a very beautiful book in the uh, Old Testament uh, with a lot of love involved in it, love relationships demonstrated and expressed is the book of Ruth. And at one point, Naomi, the mother-in-law speaks to her two daughters-in-law and says, Go return each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you. May the Lord express his hesed, his kind of love, his unconditional love to you and for you as you journey back to your homes. Well, of course, you remember the story. Ruth did not return to her home, but Orpah did. Well, that's just uh, one in the book of Ruth. Uh, Several of us have memorized and appreciate uh, the book of Micah and a key verse there. He has told you, old man, 
what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness. That's hesed. God is calling for us to not only experience his love but to express his love. And that's the word there, loving kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Then uh, two precious verses from the book of Lamentations. You don't hear many sermons from Lamentations, but you probably memorized a couple of verses from Lamentations. You know where I'm going. It is of the Lord's mercies. That's the word hesed. It is of the Lord's hesed, his unconditional, unqualified, indescribable, unlimited love that we are not consumed because his compassions, they fail not, and they're renewed every day. God loves you today, but according to what the writer of Lamentations is saying, he's going to love you tomorrow too. It's an unending love. It's an unreachable love, a love that goes beyond every reach and every limit that we might know. And also in Lamentations, Lamentations, though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his hesed. There it is again. You memorize that verse, you appreciate that verse, but you don't realize the word mercies there is God's, the, the, the original word, the Hebrew word hesed, which is describing God's the highest kind, the deepest kind, the greatest kind of love possible and available. And I've got to tell you one more. Psalm 23, how much of that passage have we memorized? How much do we appreciate it and quote it, love it? Well, it comes to an end by saying, surely hesed and mercy, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. David came to the end of his life. I think he's looking back over his shoulder and says, all those problems in the past, but God's by his hesed has turned it into goodness and mercy. And now at the end of my life, I've got one thing to look forward to, the house of the Lord forever. Today, I want to ask you to share with me and think with me about this concept of hesed. I want you to smile because God loves you. But as I said, I don't want you to smile just on the face. I want you to begin to incorporate and uh, digest the truth, the reality of this concept and this knowledge of the fact that God loves you so that it touches you in the deepest part of your being and so that your smile is not just outward, but it comes from the inside. And on days when it doesn't show on the outside, it's still there as a foundation. It's still there as a rock. It's still there as a joy on the inside. So I hope you'll go with me in that journey today. Smile. God loves you. Oh, that's too simple. That's too trite. That's too uh, uh, juvenile. But no, if you understand the love of God, it'll make you smile, not just on your face, but in the depths of your being. And that's what he wants for us, to internalize and to incorporate and truly experience his love and to know the benefits and the blessings of it. Let's look at a few verses here. They're going to have them on the screen. I want you to join with me in that. We're going to look at some other verses beyond that. But if you would, stand with me. And let me just point out to you Psalm 107, 43 verses. We're going to see in the last verse in a moment the word love used, but it's not L-O-V-E. It's a form of the word. It's a modified form of the word. The word's not there, but it's throughout the psalm. Uh, in, in uh, synonyms, in other words, because the depths of God's love can't be incorporated into one word or one adjective, it has to take many. And so the psalm begins by saying, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. 
Mercy enduring. Enduring in my King James Version is in italics. That means the translators added that to modify mercy. So it's enduring mercy. But that's the word hesed. That's the translation at the beginning of the psalm. And then repeated four times in the psalm is a chorus. There are actually two choruses uh, in the psalm, both of them repeated four times, uh, joining four scenarios that are described in the psalm. We won't have time to dig into all those today, but I hope you'll dig into them on your own. But one of those choruses is this, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his, and there it is, hesed. And he's going to say that four different times. I've come to understand anytime God says something one time in the Bible, you better pay attention to it. It's important. Learn it and appropriate it. When he says it two, three, four times, especially in one passage of Scripture, he really wants us to get the message. And that's, that's what happens here. This is repeated four different times. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Goodness is the word hesed, God's kind of love. By the way, uh, going back to that verse just for a second, oh, that men would praise the Lord. I'm not anywhere near the end of the message, but I'm hoping by the end of the message, so don't, don't get over anxious but, uh, just because I mentioned that, but by the end of the message, I hope that you will realize there's a response to God's love. He is love. He loves the world. He loves me. And because He loves me and the benefit and the effect and the activity of His love in my life should evoke a response from me. And this is one of them. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his hesed, for his uh, covenant love, his unconditional love, for his hesed and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Now let's go to that last verse. I want you to see this. The first verse has the word mercy endures or enduring mercy. That's hesed. The last verse also has the word hesed in it. And that tells me again, that's the theme of the verse. He starts with the word, he ends with the word, and in between four different times he uses the same word, but all of it translated with a different synonym. But the last verse of the psalm kind of gives us a challenge, doesn't it? If you're wise, whoso is wise and will observe, pay attention to what this psalm is teaching you, even they shall understand the hesed, loving kindness of the Lord. There's another synonym, another translation of that precious word that we're trying to understand today. Thank you, and please be seated. Now, there going to bring up on the screen for us some other verses. I want to just take a moment and look at those first. Uh, hopefully I've given you enough tools and whetted your appetite and your interest enough that you'll want to do some further study of this passage of Scripture for yourself and do much more than I'm able to do with you in these few moments today. Let's look at two verses, verses 6 and 8. We've already looked at 8, but I want us to look at it again. But first of all, verse 6. This is um, the, another one of those courses that's repeat, repeated four times. Four times, okay, get my fingers up. Uh, the psalmist gives us four scenarios throughout these 43 verses. We don't have time to look at all of them. You'll do that for yourself. Some people believe there's even a fifth scenario there, and I won't try to discuss that as well. But at the end of each one of those scenarios, they cry unto the Lord in their distress. The multiple scenarios, whether it be four or five, it's telling me, God is saying, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It doesn't matter if this came on you and overwhelmed you or whether you got yourself into this mess and into this trouble. None of that matters. The only hope you have is to cry to the Lord where you are, as you are. 
And again, I keep thinking about the end of the service. At the end of the service, the praise team is going to sing, Just As I Am. And I pray you'll be willing to do that today. Just as you are, understand, the God in heaven who made everything, who rules everything, who has the plan to bring everything to his conclusion is love. And not only is he love, he loves me. And his love can make all the difference in my life and in your life. This chorus is repeated, that sixth verse is repeated four times. In your trouble, God loves you. Cry unto the Lord in your trouble. We've all heard that old saying and expression, when I get some things straightened out, I'll talk to the Lord. When I get some things figured out, I'll call upon the Lord. Uh, when I work some things out and make some things better in my life, then I'll feel like I can talk to the Lord. That's not what this psalm teaches about God and his love for you. He loves you as you are, where you are, no matter how you got where you are. He loves you. And all he asks you to do is cry unto the Lord in your trouble. And then he delivers out of all their distresses. I won't take the time to do this today, but notice the action word there. The word love is not mentioned, but God's love is all over that verse. God sees that we have a need. By faith, we reach out to him, and then God acts. God's love is not only an emotion or a thought or an opinion or a position uh, or a statement. God's love moves him, is an action. And here, those who are in need of God's love call out to God in the trouble, and the action here is to deliver. I won't take the time to do it. In the first service, I went through the whole list of 17 very quickly, but I'll cut that back today. But you'll go through this psalm, and there's one of the action words, but there's 16 more that I found. If you find more than uh, 17 total, let me know. I'd like to add it to my list. But what God does because he loves, what his love uh, initiates him to do in response to our need, in this case, it's deliver. And there's some other beautiful, marvelous action words stated there uh, in Psalm 107, at least 17 of them. And if you uh, will take the time, you can find them and see them for yourself. All right, then let's go back to verse 8 one more time. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his hesed. This psalm presents the scenario of one who's wandering aimlessly and lost, one who is in prison or in bondage, one who is sick and, and unable to get well, or one who has been overcome by a storm. Those, at least those four scenarios. In each one of those scenarios, verse 6 follows it by saying, in their distress, they cried to the Lord, and he saved, he delivered, he responded. His love caused him to initiate action which would meet the need and deliver them out of their distresses. And then following that uh, statement made at the end of each scenario is the second opinion of the psalmist. If that's who God is, if that's the way God acts, if God's love is revealed and demonstrated in that way, then there's only one thing to say. Oh, that men who have a, a, appreciated and experienced and benefited from God's love, oh, that they would praise the Lord and make known his message and his benefits to all people to the end of the age. The two things that need to happen here today, if you have experienced God's love and can see the evidence of his love at work in action in your life, then you need to be responding to this verse. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. 
The other scenario is obvious. You've heard about God. You've heard about God's love, but you've never responded, cried out to him as you are, and seen him go to work in your life. You've never had that experience. So before this service is over, I'm asking that if you've experienced the love of God, begin to praise him, celebrate him, and commit yourself to make known his wonderful deeds to the children of men. If you've never experienced him, then I'm asking that you allow him to give you that free gift of his love today. We're going to talk more about that before we leave, but so that you begin to experience that wonderful gift of his love. All right, I want us to look at uh, several other verses, beginning in verse 32. There we go. Uh, verses 1 through 31 give us those scenarios that I'm talking about. Have that statement of they cried unto the Lord in their distress, and that statement of, oh, that men would praise the Lord, repeated after each scenario. Then there's several verses that lead up to verse 43, the closing verse, and I want to just point those out to you right here. Here's another call for believers who've experienced the love of God and the blessing and the benefit of God's love in their life, let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Verse 33. There's a little interlude here, summary statement, I think. These two verses, verses 33 and 34, he turneth the rivers into a wilderness and the water springs into a dry ground. Now, those are some beautiful words and, and uh, clear word pictures, aren't they? But notice what he's saying. That's not a positive thing. He takes rivers and makes them dry and barren. He takes water springs and makes them into dry ground. Is that the love of God? Well, let's look at the next verse. Verse 34. He turns a fruitful land into barrenness. Is that a loving God? Is that the love of God? He turns a fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of them that dwell therein. I think these two verses are trying to tell us something. The psalmist is saying, I want you to know God, and I want you to know that he loves you, and I want you to experience his love in your life, but I also want you to understand that there is a side to God's justice, uh, to God's uh, uh, chastisement or punishment. There is a side of God's sovereignty. God's in charge. And if you don't respond properly to his love, then there's the side of his judgment that will come. And that's what these two verses are describing. But the psalmist quickly moves from that. Look at verse 35, and let's look now again, a further description of the love of God. He turneth the wilderness into a standing water. In other words, he can take standing water and turn it into a wilderness, but he would prefer in history, in the world, but in particular in my life, in your life, he would prefer to turn a wilderness into standing water. He would prefer to give us the positive, joyful blessing. He turns the wilderness into a standing water and dry ground into water springs. And let's just go on, verse 36. As we're doing this, think for yourself over the years of your life. Don't get lost in memories now. Don't, don't leave us, check out mentally here. But just for a moment, let the Lord bring to your mind evidence where he's turned your wilderness into abundant fountains of water, into great blessings, into uh, a, a, a fruitless situation, a fruitless in, in, uh, experience, into abundance and into blessing. That's what the psalmist is describing here, and that's what you need to remember today so that you can praise the Lord for what he's done for you. He also maketh the hungry to dwell, that they may prepare a city for habitation, verse 37. And sow the fields and plant vineyards which may yield fruits of increase. Has God ever done something like that for you? If he has, oh, that you would praise the Lord for his wonderful works and his goodness 
to you, to your family, to our nation in so many ways in your life. If he's done it, then praise him for it. Verse 38, he blesseth them also so that they are multiplied greatly and suffereth not their cattle to decrease. Again, the favor, the bounty, the goodness of God. God's not just in heaven saying, I love you. God is in this world and God is in your life working to make your life abundant and rich and favored. And that's what these verses are describing. Verse 39, again, they are menaced and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow. And isn't that just the way life is? God blesses and things look good. And then all of a sudden, circumstances or whatever causes our life to turn around and we're in a downward spiral again. That's what happens to us. Verse 39, but look at verse 40. But he pours contempt upon princes and causes them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. Verse 41. Yet he setteth the poor on high. Things may work out and then fall apart again. But God's love reaches you. There are those who think they can handle it on their own like those princes, but God can bring them down low. There are those, and many of us in this room, who would say, I'm poor, I'm lowly, I'm little, I'm weak, I can't do a thing for myself. The love of God will work in your life, and he will set the poor on high from affliction and make him families like a flock. Only the love of God. How does that happen? Then they cry unto the Lord in their need, in their distress, and he delivers them. That's that chorus that's repeated over and over and over again here. And here's one of the ways he'll work in our lives. Then verse 42, the righteous shall see it and rejoice. There's another call to those of us who have experienced and benefited from the love of God, a call for us to rejoice and to make known the blessings of God to, to, uh, for ourselves and, and to others. And then also iniquity shall stop her mouth. When God pours out his love in my life, in my world, in my circumstances, and I begin to praise him and exalt him and rejoice in him, the unbelieving world, the devil and his crowd just have to shut their mouth and say, what can you say about? What can you say against the love of God? And that's what this verse leads us to. Well, I want you to kind of get a feel for some of those verses here today. Let me just take a moment and share with you some summary thoughts, uh, and then call for you to make a decision and a commitment today uh, concerning the love of God. Psalm 107 and the term hesed, 250 times in the Old Testament, declares God's character, God's ability, God's nature, and who He is. Psalm 107 says God is love. But it also says he loves you, and his love can make all the difference in your life. The psalm and, and the word hesed describes God's love in action. And I've just told you there's 17 action verbs in this psalm that God initiates, that God brings to pass because of his love for no other reason. There's nothing I have to offer God. There's no requirement that God says, meet this requirement, and I'll do these things for you. There is nothing that moves God. He is love. And all we simply need to do is recognize our need and cry out in our distress 
And by his very nature, God responds in action. And that action is to meet whatever need we have. If we're wandering, he sets us on the right path. If we're in bondage, he sets us free. If we're sick, he heals us. And by the way, that little part of the psalm, I love this. I don't have time to chase this rabbit, but I'll at least mention it to you. Somebody was sick. The verse says he sent his word and healed them. Now, that's a thousand years before Christ. But John comes on the scene and says, in the beginning was the word. There's Jesus in Psalm 107. Because Jesus is the Word of God who does bring healing, not only to the body, but to the mind, to the soul, to every aspect of our lives. God's love, He makes known to us, and it comes to us at the point of our need, no matter what our need might be. This psalm makes it clear in the fact that there are at least four or maybe five scenarios that people find themselves in, that I find myself in, you find yourself in, And God loves everyone and responds to everyone and meets every need and solves every problem. Because that's true. You can conclude today, I'm included. The devil would say to you, you don't fit. You don't belong. You don't deserve. I just remind you, the devil is a liar. Call him a liar. Tell him to get out of your mind, to get out of your life, to get out of your way. And then you begin to claim the truth that God does love you. And you are included no matter who you are and no matter how you got where you are. God loves you and his love is the solution to whatever situation you find yourself in. There is no circumstance we'll find ourselves in in life that is out of bounds or beyond God's reach. I have nothing to offer God. I don't deserve God's love. In fact, I mentioned to you the New Testament word for God's love is agape. The Old Testament word is hesed. But there's sometimes either one of those words gets translated in the Old or the New Testament with the word grace. And that's no mistake because God's love is his grace in action. God is love, but God is also gracious. And his love causes him to act toward you and I, not based on who we are, what we've done, what we deserve, what we can offer, but rather to respond to us based on who he is and that he is full of love and grace. We have nothing to offer, but that does not matter. Then they cried unto the Lord in their distress. You don't have to get out of trouble. You just cry out to him in your trouble. You don't have to uh, begin to turn things around and then say, well, Lord, I've got it started. I need your help to take it further. No, it doesn't work that way. We cry unto the Lord, wandering and lost, in bondage and in chains, Sick and afflicted, caught up in the storms of life. That's where we find ourselves. That's where he finds us, and we cry out to the Lord in our distress. And he delivers, he saves, he redeems. You're included today, and there's nothing you have to offer, but everything God wants to provide for you. And then as I said earlier, if you know that God loves you, I don't mean just that little trite thought, smile, God loves you. I mean that deep-seated understanding that God cares about me and he loved me so much he sent his son to die in my place. And he can meet every need in my life. If, if you know that, then the psalmist here tells me you're obligated to praise the Lord. Another verse here that we didn't have a chance to look at today says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. 
those whom he has redeemed, and I get my directions all turned around in here. I don't know where we are, but from the north, the south, the east, and the west, okay? I'm not going to try to point because I'll point the wrong way. But you get the point. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If he found you to the far north in some kind of distress, if he redeemed you, say so. To the south, to the east, to the west, no matter who you are, praise the Lord. Celebrate the Lord. Share the goodness of the Lord in testimony, in lifestyle, in witness, in every way possible. And today, if you're here and you've never experienced that love, you need to know there is a God He's on the throne in heaven, and his essence is hesed. His essence is agape. His essence is unconditional, unmerited, unlimited love. And all he asks you to do is to cry out. You don't have to do anything else. You have nothing else to offer. Just cry out. And whether you're watching by live stream somewhere away from this facility or you're here in this room, if you've never done that, the invitation is for you to do that today. Closing thought. This all sounds mighty good, doesn't it? God's love is so rich. God's love is so effective and so beneficial as I cry out and he operates in my life. But somebody had to pay for that. I can't. I never will. But somebody had to pay. And Paul said it in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. God commendeth his love toward you and toward me. And that while we were still sinners, still in the storm, still lost in the wilderness, still sick and afflicted, still in bondage and in chains, while we were still in that situation, God sent his son, commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Jesus paid the price. Christ died for us. So there is a price. You'll never pay it. You don't have to pay it. Jesus paid it all. We've already sung that today. And we know it so well. So let's remember there is a price. And it was paid by our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That verse I referenced earlier, he sent his word and healed them. Jesus is able to bring the answer, the results, the benefits, the blessing uh, the power of God's love into your life because he was born of a virgin and lived in this world for 33 and a half years. A sinless life, totally obedient to God the Father. Allowed himself to be crucified on Calvary's cross. Died there pouring out his life's blood till he was dead. And just before he died, cry out, as we've heard it so often, tetelestai, it is finished. Meaning I paid the price so that people at First Baptist Pelham or in the Shelby County area or whoever might be present in this service today or present uh, uh, somewhere watching by live stream could have the benefit of God's love. It cost a great price. It's been paid. Jesus paid it. And now God just waits for us to reach out to him in our distress and allow him to bring the love of God to bear upon the circumstances, the needs, the burdens of our life. In just a moment, I'm going to lead us in prayer, and the musicians are going to come. And as I said earlier, they're going to sing just as I am. And I'm praying that just as you are, if you're a beneficiary of the love of God, you'll begin to be one of those who've been redeemed and say so. 
you'll begin to praise the Lord for His wonderful works to you, to your family, and to the different times He's worked in a powerful way in your life. If you're, not, if you're here today and you're not a beneficiary of the love of God, you need to know you're not outside of His reach. His love reaches you. All He waits for you to do is by faith reach out and say, I cried unto the Lord in my situation, in my distress. And He heard me and He answers me. You can do that today. I'll be standing here at the front. Others will join me. If you need to come for counsel or for prayer, help with that decision, we'll certainly help you to do that. If you want to come to this altar and pray, you're welcome to do that. And if uh, you're here today for another need and want to make that known in this service, maybe joining our church or some other decision or commitment or need for prayer, then we invite you to come forward in these next moments of song and make that decision, make that response known. Stand with me if you would, and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Once again, our Father, we come to you grateful that you are our Father in heaven and that we've been reminded today again, you don't just love us, you are love. And your love at that highest level, the superlative quality of your love causes you to act when we'll respond. And you're capable of handling any person, any situation, any circumstance, any need. This psalm has reminded us of that today, and we thank you. Now, Father, I pray you'll speak to us in these moments. Bless these moments of invitation. Bless the music as it goes forth. Bless the hearts of those who need to respond today. In Jesus' name, amen.